This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, you guys? Welcome to the November 22nd edition of the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher, getting ready to set you up for a ridiculous 14 game night before we get the off day for Thanksgiving. With me to break down some stats and some nuggets and clippers is Tommy Beer. What's up, man? What's up, sir? Not much, man. Getting ready for uh, some football. I know you're, you've got uh, every year your team plays on Thanksgiving. Every it's actually a lot of people ask me how I became a Lions fan, living and growing up and born and raised in New York. Um, was watching Barry Sanders um, when I was a kid, um, the first couple Thanksgivings, and just uh, kind of pointed at him and said, "I like that dude. He's going to be my favorite player." Um, got a Barry Sanders jersey for Christmas, and here I am, 37 years later, um, one one playoff win in my lifetime, and a lifetime of heartache and, and nothing but pain. So, uh, good decision all around. Yeah, man, uh, they're not doing too bad. I'm a, I'm a Jets fan for kind of obvious reasons where I'm from, but yeah, it's uh, it's cool for Thanksgiving. I, I usually catch up. Do you catch every Thanksgiving? Are you one of those people where you like plan your day around the football games, like I am? Well, at least around the Lions game. Yeah, my family knows. Like, we don't start eating until the Lions game ends. You know that that type. When when I when I when we started switching off and going to the in laws, that was an interesting conversation. But um, fortunate, fortunately, um, it, it's it's worked out pretty well. Sure. All right, so we do want to talk about the big news today. A couple surgeries, or not official yet on surgery, but Paul Millsap and Pat Beverly are going to be out for long periods of time. They're saying up to three months on Millsap. We don't really know much about Beverly, but knee surgery, assuming it's not arthroscopic, you're looking at probably a couple months out. So both are kind of on the chopping block, depending on your league format and if you have IR. But uh, let's talk Nuggets, because this is a bigger injury to me. Millsap was just coming on. He was looking so good. He was hanging around like five assists a game over his last like four or five games. Shooting percentages were up. Defense stats were up. Usage rate there. Everything was just like coming on. I was like, yes, here comes Millsap after that bad start. So just sticking with Millsap, I mean, if you're in like a 12 team and it's going to hurt you if you just, like if you're in last place, what you, you can't take that. You can't take the zero. It de- devastating. I mean, it, 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 there was some noise today about him potentially not needing surgery, about not confirmation. So I guess we'll at least wait until the, the team or Millsap himself officially announces that he's gone under the knife. Um, but, yeah, you're right. In, in terms of, you know, obviously Shams and Woj are, are not usually off, you know. Um, so so we'll assume he's, he's going to be out, you know, for the, for the near future, two to three months. And that's just a devastating blow. Because like you said, he finally – what the Nuggets envisioned with him and Jokic in the front court, you know, two wonderfully passing big men, just starting to find their chemistry and look like, and um, yeah, just a brutal blow. Yeah, the first thing I wanted to talk about was, and Malone has always said this, we want to do, okay, we want to have two passing big men, and they were just starting to implement that with pace, with efficiency, everything was just coming up. I actually wrote about that on Tuesday, uh, how they were just coming around as an offense. I think they were third in the NBA in uh, offensive rating over their last 12 games or something like that. So, yeah, it, it's a tough blow. I mean, it's basically wins everywhere. Like, for every nugget in the rotation, 
just starting with Dunn, the guys that are already owned. So Jokic, I think, gives a little uptick. Will Barton gets a really nice uptick. Talk about him yep. more thoroughly. Gary Harris has been shooting phenomenally well. Uh, but really the big winner, uh, and also Murray, because Barton's going to play almost all three, I think, now, uh, or mostly three. That opens up more minutes. That avoids the Gary Harris and Barton taking point guard minutes away from those guys. So that, that's a win for them, too. So, but really, I guess the big winner has to be Kenneth Reed. Uh, interesting spot was perennially on the block. So, what are your expectations on Fareed? Um, didn't have a great uh, quote-unquote debut, I guess you'd call it, with Millsap out on Monday. So, what are you thinking for him stat-wise? I'm hesitant, Mike, to be honest. I, I, I'm just real hesitant to buy into Fareed. Um, there's a reason he was kind of on the back end of the rotation to start the season. Then he was chirping about this. There's 29 other teams that would love to have me start for them. Um, you know, just kind of got off on the wrong foot this season. Um, what, obviously, he's going to give you points and boards. Um, you know, per minute's going to be solid. But I'm just not sure that the playing time is going to be all that we all that we hope it for. Um, you know, Wilson Chandler can play some four. Um, uh, Hernan Gomez is going to get, you know, plenty of minutes back there. Um, you know, Will Barton, as you mentioned, is going to be all over the place. They could go, you know, downsize a little bit. Um, so I'm just not confident that that Fareed's going to be, um, you know, the, the the quality level replacement that some have hyped him up to be. I'm a little hesitant on Fareed, to be honest. Yeah, he's just like if you're cutting a guy that you are just like, say like Marquise Chris, where right? He's, where he's like annoying the hell out of you. Yeah, I wouldn't cut someone like that for. But if it's someone you're just like, even, I wouldn't. Even, I'd rather go with Fred Van Fleet. I don't know yep. if it's a hot take or not, but uh, and Van, Van Fleet's been a little bit down. But um, I mean, I guess I would cut OG and Anobi. We know we've been wrong on Millsap before, and he can right. fill it up at times. But looking deeper, I, I kind of took a look at some forward combinations that were used without Fareed. So number one, and this doesn't include lineups that were used for three or fewer minutes, but mostly it was Barton and Fareed, 64 minutes. That had a lot to do with Monday because they played a lot next to each other. So it's a little skewed. But Chandler and Plumlee, uh, the Chandler and Plumlee-Jokic combo has been used pretty much like 40 minutes on the season, that's going to go up. Uh, they also use Barton and Chandler as forward combos. Chandler Fareed, Wancho Fareed. They pretty much uh, Trey Lyles also got in the mix too. So he's a slight, slight winner in super deep. But yeah, it's like I said, it's like like you were saying too. I see it as a bigger win for just everyone else. And then yes. Millsap uh, is like kind of okay uh, if you're just. I think Chandler. I think Chandler now has a chance to salvage himself after a terrible start. You know, I think that his stock is rising. Um, Chandler, even Jamal Murray, like you said, you know, usage rate will get, get spread spread around a little bit without um, uh, the offense running through Millsap, you know, in that high post. So, um, yeah, I think it's a bigger win for those other guys. I'm, I'm more excited about those other guys. Um, their, their percentage increase as opposed to, you know, the free bandwagon. Yeah, I'm excited about Murray's assists now. Because yep. they're going to need another guy to pass the ball, and he's been – Really bad. I think he's been hanging like 1.8 assists at the point guard spot. He's been first in the, on the team in scoring over the last dozen games. So he's fine there. Uh, efficient as well. Really, really efficient. Threes are actually down. But his shot selection has been tremendous. Um, the steals have to come up. And this is really uh, a sneaky win for him. You mentioned Wilson. The thing I'm watching about Wilson Chandler, you remember last year, the big trade rumor was like, okay, I don't want to be flip-flopped as a power forward and a small forward. Give me a roll. I want to be consistent with that. So that's kind of interesting now because he had his role with a three, locked into it, low, low usage this year, by the way. Yeah. Like, does, do you think that he'll respond well to having to play both forward spots? 
We'll see. You know, first, let's make sure he's healthy, um, you know, questionable for Wednesday night. Hopefully he gets back on the floor um, and or is, is close to 100 percent as, as quickly and, and stays that way as for as long as possible. Um, but I think he'll make the most of his opportunity to take advantage of, of you know, what's presented in front of him. Um, and, uh, you know, the good thing with the Nuggets is they have a lot of versatility, you know, across the floor from Barton to, to Jokic's, you know, the point point center type player. So, um, you know, it's you it, will see. Um, but he can't. Play, the good news is he can't play much worse over the first, you know, two three weeks of the season. He's played better of late. Um, hopefully that that trend will continue. Yeah, his, his usage was like almost single digits for the first like seven or eight games usage rate. Um, right. What about, what about uh, just quickly on Plumley? Uh, he can be decent when he gets like 23, 24 minutes. Again, I mentioned they are open to playing Jokic and Plumley in certain matchups next to each other. Um, they did so on Monday for a pretty good amount. Call it like seven or eight minutes. So, uh, I, I almost feel like he and – I almost think he could be better than Fareed. I, I think he's a better player than Fareed, you know, just personally. Pure, I, yeah, pure fantasy. Yeah, yeah, just from the fantasy standpoint, it'll be interesting. I think the main thing is is how comfortable Malone is playing uh, Plumlee side-by-side side with Jokic. So you have you have the numbers there. Um, we'll see if that increases going forward because I think that'll be dependent. You know, obviously um, he'll get some time when Jokic is off the floor. Um, but for him to make a breakthrough and, and be a relevant player in, in deeper leagues, um, he's going to need to produce alongside Jokic. Yeah, and center is tough to add too. So that, yes. that, that helps him as well. So yep. the other big news today is Pat Beverly. That knee thing, he couldn't shake it. He came out Monday, played at MSG after missing five games, I believe. And he's back on the shelf now for what looks like going to be a long, long time. So Cinderius Thornwell is going to start at shooting guard, bump over Austin Rivers to the one. Obviously, the big beneficiary is Lou Williams. You basically hit the jackpot if you have Lou Williams after what was a really disappointing start with low minutes. Um, so... We don't really need to talk about Lou Williams. Uh, he's going to be a top 50 player for the next two months. I mean, he's got a shot at it. Top yeah. 70 at least, right? Yeah, that's, that's the window. So we don't need to analyze him. What about other than that, man? Uh, Rivers has been kind of a mess, missing shots all over the place. Uh, I can't. Well, Jawan Evans. I can't get excited about those guys. I mean, the percentage killers – um, you know, we'll, we'll see how they play with the uptick in, 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 in minutes. Um, I think Rivers is the guy that, that has a chance to establish himself, certainly in points leagues, um, to, to become a relevant player. Um, Evans is uh, dicey at best uh, offensively. Um, so, you know, his, his fantasy, you know, kind of upside is limited. Ditto for Thornwell. Um, I just don't I, I don't I don't see a, a, an appeal there um, unless you're in a really, really deep league. Um, kind of similar to the Millsap situation. I think the biggest beneficiaries here are, you know, the Blake Griffins, Lou Williams. Um, you know, um, we'll see if DeAndre Jordan kind of gets more in the mix. He's a player that, that certainly has missed CP3 out in Los Angeles. Um, but, uh, you know, outside of the, the already owned guys, I don't see um, – I well, to be honest, I think the one player, if you want to get sneaky, um, if you certainly if you have a, a, an IL spot, um, see if Tia Dosich is still in the wire. Um, if he comes back sooner than later, um, you know, and he and he's back for a month or two before um, before Beverly returns, you could you could be looking at some nice little pickup there. Yeah, I think you got to cut Beverly, man. Yeah, agreed. Uh, it's, it's, that's that's a tough pill to swallow. Yep. Um, I, you know who's got my eye? It's Cinderius Thornwell, and he's not like a must strong pickup play guy, but you look at his numbers. He was a twelve point five usage rate guy. And he had a 64.1 true shooting percentage. So that's awesome. 
Yeah, no, he was he could fill it up in college. That's the thing. I I I didn't you know it's, it'll be interesting to see if how long how how uh, frequently they have him kind of handle the ball and facilitate the offense. Um, but you know if he can even do that adequately well, um, I think if if he gets an increased opportunity and actually gets an opportunity to score, I think he can put the ball in the basket. It's just a question of if he if he'll have that opportunity going forward. Right. Yeah. Like I said, twelve point five usage rate. That is very. That's like Bruce Bowen esque. Yeah. You want to get at least in the upper teens if you're going to be a, especially a shooting guard. Where right. He only had a seven point four assist percentage. Like he, that's he has to score to produce. So yep. we're talking like twenty teams, but this team's bad, man. They can't win oh. a game for their life. So like, I, I saw I saw him at the guard on Monday, and they're just I mean, energy, effort level, intensity, body, anything you want to you know characterize a team by. I don't know how long you know whether Doc Rivers is going to catch the heat and get canned, um, or they make a trade and move DeAndre Jordan, or do you know there something needs to be shaken up, but. Um, they were one of the teams, you know, you know, coming into the season as one of those ten or eleven teams that, you know, those great teams in the West who's going to fight for a playoff spot. They look like just a, a bottom feeder right now. They're 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 dead. So I know Jonas will want to bring this up. This is his big. We talked about this. His big brand is when your team starts losing games. What about shutdown risk? So does this? I mean, losing Pat Beverly hurts, man. So like yeah, you said, they have no. I, well, chance of them making the playoffs like five percent. Like is it that that low? I mean, if for no other reason, Beverly's just there, you know, just that, that energy intensity guy. He called the team out after Monday's win, obviously, before he knew he was going to have surgery, apparently, um, but said, you know, the, the the starting unit's not playing hard enough. The, you know, if there was one guy that was going to kind of re-energize and re-spark the team and get him back on the right track, it was Beverly. So um, losing him is just a major kick to the gut. I guess it'll depend on, on how quick Milos can come back. Um, and if he can come back and kind of stabilize the ship, um, you know, then we'll see. But yeah, you're, yeah, I think, it, you know, when you fact and how difficult the West is, um, and uh, you know those top eight or nine teams. It's very, very difficult to see them um, putting a run together because you just got just to get back to five hundred is going to be a challenge. Yeah. Um, so it's it's not pretty in LA right now. Would you sell Blake for like eighty five cents in the dollar? Uh, I think I would, man. Uh, he's been I, actually terrible. Forty four point five true shooting percentage in those five games without Beverly. That's bad. That's not good. That's, that's certainly value. You know, they're going to have to lean on him heavily now. So, yeah, I think his percentage is going to take a hit. Um, but, um, yeah, we'll see. And then you mentioned that, that that shutdown. He's the guy that's not always been durable. So um, if he gets dinged up, do they um, do they own their pick this year? I guess that's the when we talk about shutdown. Yeah, so they have the 2019 pick that's going to Boston. But after that, um, this year they, they need it. They, they need it pretty bad. So, Yep. Tank, man, what a difference. Uh, you lose Chris Paul and you're suddenly tanking. This isn't that surprising, actually. Yep. Shocking. <laughs> you lose one of the best point guards in recent NBA history, and all of a sudden uh, you're not as good a team, yeah, believe it or not. Going from that backcourt with Chris Paul to Cinderius Thornwell and Austin Rivers <laughs> as your backcourt, that's quite a downgrade. Ouch. Uh, and, and Wes Johnson. By the way, uh, Wes Johnson is going to lose playing time once Gallo's back. But, man, he'll talk about a shutdown candidate. Gallo all the way, huh? Yes. Yep. Oh, yeah, pick up some deep leagues. Juwan Evans is kind of sneaky. He had a monster. He had a 24 point season preseason finale. Um, something to watch, I guess. But man, this team's not looking good. They're gonna get blown out a lot. Okay, so shifting to the notable numbers, uh, I wanted to talk about your column. What What did you find? And also one of your topics I had talked about as well. So we'll start with that. We'll start with Kyrie and the Celtics real fast. Um, what did you find on those guys? Um, just, uh, just particularly, obviously Kyrie's getting a lot of the headlines, um, over the, during their recent stretch as well. He should, 
Um, but there's been some some really impressive uh, play out of out of uh, their, their youngsters. Um, Tatum's played well, and Jalen Brown over the last five, he's averaging 20.6 points, 5.4 boards, 2.6 three pointers, um, 1.8 blocks. Um, shooting terrific percentages, 56% from the floor, 48% from downtown. Um, there's a lot to be excited about um, with this dude. Um, and, um, you know, going forward, I, I think kind of, you know, there's there's a lot to be, you know, um, there's reason to believe that, you know, it, it, his percentages will come down a little bit. Um, but, you know, obviously um, the Celtics trust him and he's performed, this, you know, as well over the last uh, you know couple of weeks. Team's playing well. So um, you know, if you're a Celtics fan and or an owner of, of Jalen Brown, um, you're pretty excited right now. Yeah, I'm I'm I think I would sell high a little bit on Brown. I don't think mm-hmm. he's only this this good. You know, yes. I still think that, he's that, a really good player. But this recent hot stretch, I don't see him continuing on. If, if, but that's if you can get value of somebody who's willing to pay, you know, because he, he's probably tops. I think I, I think he was top six, 70, you know, over this recent two week stretch. Um, if somebody can give you top 70 form or even top hundred, you know, top 8,500 form, I certainly would listen. Um, but, you know, if you if, uh, you know, somebody's trying to lowball you, I wouldn't give up, um, you know, because uh, I think he can sustain a, a relative facsimile of what he's been doing the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think you can start making this free throws. I think if I wanted Brown and I wanted to trade him, I probably want like top sixty. If if I was if I was if I was a um punting free throws, if I was going to the season punting free throws and I'm still punting free throws, he's a guy I'd target in a deal. You know that, yeah, that's yeah. It. it all depends on it whether they view him as a stud or not. Uh, yep. okay so Kyrie, his fourth quarter has been just stupid good. Uh, he has a four, in the fourth quarter of the season. He has a forty point five usage rate and a sixty point three true shooting. And Jeez. to put that that usage rate is even misleading because he only has point four turnovers per fourth. That's good. Ex- exceptional. Compared, oh you look at what Westbrook did. Westbrook was averaging like one point two turnovers per quarter. So you're talking about similar usage and one third of the turnover output uh, with better efficiency, sixty point three compared to Westbrook at a fifty five point four last year. So he's basically like ultra Westbrook in the fourth, but uh, he's making shots at the rim. I'm kind of sold, man. And I've always been sold on Kyrie. It's just a matter of him staying healthy. One one quick stat: Micah Adams of ESPN had a good one. Kyrie Irving, the last five minutes in the score within five points in, in the clutch this season. So it's been 38 minutes. He scored 65 points on 24 of 39 field goals. Um, 32 points in the paint, 10 assists, zero turnovers, a plus minus of plus 40. Jeez, Boston in the fourth, man. They're just, I don't, that game against Dallas looked like they were dead. Oh my goodness! Uh, and then, then for them to come back, yeah, they're it's it's really remarkable how well they played. In the, in the Warriors game, man, it's that team is yep. just something else. Uh, what else you got? Um, Covington. Talk a little bit about Robert Covington. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about great young three point shooters in the league, Bradley Beal and obviously the splash brothers and, um, Dame Lillard, uh, and, and all those guys are elite shooters, but Covington's rarely ever mentioned in, in that category. Um, but I looked over the numbers. He's played 227 games in his career among players over the first 230 career games. He ranks third all time. Um, uh, to put that in context, that's 16. He's hit 16 more three pointers um, in his first 227 games than Steph Curry. Um, so uh, you know, in terms of a start to a career, um, you know, Covington's a legit dude. Um, and then you factor in, you know, just the three and D aspect of what he brings to the table: um, 358 steals um, and um, also plenty of over 150 blocks. 
Um, he's one of just four players in league history with at least 300 three-pointers, 300 steals, and 150 blocks in their first 230 games. Uh, other three cats are Paul Pierce, Latrell Sprewell, and Vince Carter in that club. So um, Covington, a lot of people um, questioned his extension. Um, I, for one, thought it was a great value. People a great did? Sign. People questioned that? I didn't see anyone there, question there that. There was some out there just, oh, it's a lot of money. I, it was more just a periphery Twitter fan yeah. um, as opposed to guys that, that really pay attention to the NBA. Yeah. Um, because um, in addition to being a great fantasy stats sheet stuffer, um, Covington's a real important piece for that that's exciting Sixers team going forward. But, yeah, in terms of fantasy, um, this dude is is, is legit. Um, I think and – and even though he'll get plenty of attention, you know, this season from – you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're a big-time fantasy hoop head. Um, but just kind of from the, the league – the leagues at large and the public in general, um, Embiid and Simmons are obviously going to get a, the lion's share of attention and Covington will fly under the radar. But um, this dude's legit. Um, for the sell high last week, I put Rocco on there. Yeah. Just be, for the same reasons I was saying about Brown, where, like, I like him a lot. I think, I love Covington. But, like, he's not going to make 50% from three all season, you know? True. So just True. based on him outperforming, I'm just saying he's not going to be as good than he has been. Do you agree? With, and plus, Marco Fultz will come back, take shots. Um, I, I I agree with you totally. If if we're talking, you know, top, you know, if we're if 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 we're valuing him the, the same, you know, I think, um, you know, if you get somebody that's willing to value him as a top, as he, you know, I just think league in most, you know, in general, I don't know if he's respected as as much as he should be. Um, you know, if if somebody's trying to lowball you, obviously, um, I, I'd hold on to. But if somebody's willing to, to pony up and give you a more reliable top fifty player, I, I certainly would. Oh, hesitate. I think top. Yeah, I'd want like top thirty-five, man. Yeah. Yes. That you know, just the, that elite player. But I wouldn't sell him low at you know, like for an uh, you know, an overhyped you know, a guy that's struggling that you know, came into the season with a lot of hype, but is yeah. you know. Full- Around 80th overall, something yeah, like that. Like if you got him in round six or seven, I'd want like fourth, third round value for him. I'd want pretty much double up in my value. Totally agree. He's, he's just he's been spectacular, and the defensive stats have been great. And Markel Fultz getting hurt is really a big impact. For yep. That. Really, Markel Fultz going down has helped out so many guys. Ben Simmons being one of them. Uh, even TJ McConnell, if you drafted him in the 20 team, where he's pretty much yep. up for you. So um, Bayless coming back, and uh, JJ Redick also has benefited too. All right, what else? One, one more thing before we get you out of here. Uh, Ennis Cantor um, is one of the more surprising. You know, it's it, it, here in New York, there was a lot of skepticism, I think rightfully so, about what Cantor would bring to the table. I got to admit, I was wrong. Um, now, f- from a from a reality standpoint, it's you know still a defensive sieve, but um, from a fantasy standpoint, um, this guy has kind of you know there was a big time competition heading into the year. Four centers, how they're going to divvy it up? Cantor said, I'm the guy, and, he, and he's kind of proven it and stuck with it, you know, from right from opening night. Um, he's averaging 13 to 10, um, shooting in incredible percentages. That's the other thing you look at. Um, in the 9-cat league, his, his value, you know, in terms of his elite percentages, shooting 64% from the floor and 90% from three. Um, look back in history with basketball reference. Has never been a player in NBA history that's averaged a double double while also shooting over sixty four percent, sixty percent from the floor and ninety percent from the line. Um, nobody even has shot sixty and eighty, um, other than David Lee, who shot exactly sixty and eighty one percent about ten years ago. Shout so, out to retirement for David Lee. yes, yes, respect to D Lee. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, uh, Cantor is a guy. Um, again, he, I'd love to sell high on him if somebody wants to offer me 
um, a, a good value for him. I would, would deal him in a minute because I think those percentages are going to come back down to earth a little bit. I think Willie Hernan Gomez is going to start getting cracking to those minutes. Um, if the Knicks struggle defensively, I could see Joakim Noah again at the active rotation. Um, so in terms of sell high, certainly a guy would would love to to um, to move at the right price if somebody's willing to to pay up for him. Um, but but that being said, is his production and, and play over the first month or so has been really impressive. Just quickly on the Billy Go Billy Hernan Gomez, I know that's a hot topic. For a guy who's not really playing much, where do you see him in this situation? I think the Knicks are two games over 500, you know, playing, you know, better than a lot of teams thought they would. Cantor's playing better than people thought he would. Even Kyle Quinn off the bench um, has played well. Um, I Again, I just find it a real hard time to find a path for playing time for, for Billy. Um, should one of those guys get injured, which isn't out of the question, uh, he'd certainly see an uptick in value. Um, once he gets into the, into the rotation, I think he'll play fine. Um, but as long as the Knicks are winning, um, I, I'm hesitant to believe that, that he'll get enough of a crack to, to make a, to make an impact. Um, if you're playing a super deep league, I wouldn't mind stashing him at, at, if for nothing else on you know, the outside possibility that they trade him. Um, you know, so we'll see if they kind of get antsy and, oh, we can make a run at the eight seed and do uh, something, yeah. which would be very Knicks-esque. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, that that certainly isn't a, a crazy concept. Um, but outside of that, uh, you know, again, with Joakim Noah also looking to get into the mix, um, they're paying the guy $55 million over the next three years. So they'd like a little bit of return on your, their investment, they think. So if they need, you know, eight or ten minutes of solid defense from him, um, it's tough to find some Billy some minutes. Good stuff, man. All right, so we'll get you ahead of here on that. You enjoy your Thanksgiving. Go Lions. And thanks, thanks again. Appreciate it, brother. Enjoy your turkey day. You too. Okay, so moving right along here, we're going to change gears to kind of a big picture thing. We're talking some opposing defenses and fantasy stats from those defenses. With me to do so with this column coming out shortly or up right now on RotorWorld.com is Ryan Canas. What's up, man? How's it going, Mike? Um, right. What was what did you and Tommy talk about? We talked about Millsap. Um, that's big, big, big news for a lot of yeah. positions. Really, we, what we talked about too was uh, how it helps kind of the guys that are already established. So more more assists for Murray, more stats for Jokic, Barton's a big winner, and pretty much just the whole team rather than Fareed being an ad. Yeah. yeah, like I was just looking at Hernan Gomez and just kind of shrugged him off. Um, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It sort of more diffuses to the other guys than, than really benefits one person. Yeah. And then also Pat Beverly but, going down with Sendarius Thornwell stepping up. And, man, yeah, these injuries are starting to pile up. Conley out. And, yeah, it's I not mean, good, man. We were talking about possible shutdown for Clippers. They can't win a game right now. Yeah. It's, Playoffs it's, can't it's, even win a game. Yeah. <laughs> what have they lost? I mean, I think they started 4-0 or something right. like that. Yep. They've got reverse Celtics, basically. Yeah, the Celtics yeah. started 0 and 2 and rattled off 16. And yeah, and Clippers. it's it's not like there's a lot of help on the horizon for them. So yeah, Milos should be back eventually. Gallo will probably be back hopefully at some point next early next month, but it's yeah. not looking good. All right, so this is going to help for DFS. We're going to talk about teams that are a little more vulnerable and some that I guess aren't. So we'll talk about point guards first, like we said in the last episode. That's kind of a uh, key part to building a strong team for DFS and even for season long, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tonight, yeah, this is a good day for it too, because uh, with 14 games, you're going to have a lot of situations where you're, you know, you're choosing between two or three or maybe even four kind of end of bench scrub guys. Um, so if you look at these charts, and people may have seen them in past years, I think this is the third year I've done it. Um, so I basically call it team matchups by position. So you could look at, for instance. 
um, how opposing point guards have performed against various teams. Um, so we see right off the bat, you could see right at the bottom is Toronto. Uh, they've just been a brutal matchup for point guards. I was surprised. I wouldn't have pegged them as one of the worst teams to face. Um, and then you know right what I above think part that, of that is what's that second unit. Like yeah, the second that's unit true. defense has just shut backups down because it take this. Yeah. these stats take into account the whole game, right? Yeah, this is this is everybody. Yeah. So forty-eight minute stats. So yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Second unit can shut them down. Um, and sometimes, and I think maybe the next time I do this, I'll actually separate it into second unit and starters. Um, but it's, it's also interesting because you could look at specific categories. So if you have a point guard who's very reliant on assists and steals, um, someone like Ricky Rubio, you could look and see, oh, the Bucks are, are not allowing at all a lot of those categories. Um, the Blazers would also be a terrible matchup. So that's just something more to keep in mind. I mean, you're probably playing Rubio, I would assume, in most eight cat, nine cat leagues. But for DFS, you might want to, you know, avoid him on a on a night like that against Portland. Yeah, and then you mentioned too, which we said last week was how scoring is such a big part. So you could look at teams like the Mavs, who we've always gone after for point guards because they give up so many points. But whereas teams who are the Suns are first for points allowed, but is because they're giving up a lot of rebounds and a lot of steals. So that's not quite something I would buy, whereas I would buy the high yes. points. Yeah, and I actually, that, it, you raise a good point because you look at these, and I do put a total in there for across, I do eight categories. I'm not looking at free throw percentage because that's kind of arbitrary uh, in terms of matchups. But I'm looking at uh, points, three-pointers, field goal percentage, rebounds, assists, uh, defensive categories, and I throw turnovers in there. So you could total total it up and say, you know, the Raptors have been the worst team against point guards. But like I like I said, you really want to focus in on specific categories. Um, you know, assists for point guards, blocks for centers, things like that. And I think the next time I do this, I'm actually going to figure out how much value each position generally gets. So if point guards get 25% of their total value from assists, I'll weight these numbers to, to reflect that. Um, but, but even so, yeah, you can, um, when this column comes out, you can look through it. There's a a ton of data there. Um, so all, all the matchup data you could possibly want. And another thing I noticed too, it's, it seems like it's tied to pace a little bit and like teams that are slower, that tends to be towards the bottom. Yeah, yeah, and that basically just, I think most people kind of inherently understand that. Uh, it just kind of makes sense at face value that the faster teams play, the more possessions there are, the more, you know, fantasy stats are out there to be had. Uh, but absolutely, yeah, you, I mean, you look at the top, you got Phoenix, New York, then the Lakers, uh, the Nuggets, and then down at the bottom, Toronto, Utah, San Antonio, and it that's that pretty much holds across. Maybe we could move over to, to the shooting guard chart. And right here you find what what quickly becomes a theme, which is you don't want to play Boston. I mean, they, they've they've had the number one defensive efficiency in the league this year. They've been the toughest team against uh, shooting guards. They've been the second toughest team against small forwards, the third toughest team against centers, and then they're kind of more in the middle against the other positions. Um, so just just an absolutely brutal matchup. And so, I mean, do you think that? I don't. Do you just totally fade Boston unless it's a value there? Do you just not play your studs? Do you, do you see anything that was kind of jumping out like for like well, they're bad? Like what dead last for shooting guard scoring? 
And then they're really bad for um, what other ones? Assists. Their last for shooting guard assists too. It looks like tied with Atlanta or Detroit. Excuse me. Yeah, it's Atlanta tough. So. So if there were a more marginal kind of player, like if I'm in a deep league and I have like Etwan Moore, yeah, I'm probably just fading him and, and not going to play him at all against the Celtics. But, you know, if you have a guy like Clay Thompson, you're probably just playing your studs regardless. So this is this is more specific to DFS if you're looking at guys like Clay Thompson or Steph Curry, of course. Um, but I think w- when you apply it to most standard season-long leagues – it definitely it becomes relevant for basically anyone outside of the top 100 because matchups can be so influential as to whether they're going to help your team that night or or not. And then also to their top to bottom, just every unit they throw out there is just tremendous except for one. So their starters have an 84 defensive rating that's just off the charts good. 92 yeah. for their second most used. The only bad lineup really that's been used for over 20 minutes is. Uh, Kyrie, Jalen, Morris, uh, Tatum, and Horford. So, interesting. That's kind of their new starting unit. Mm, yeah. um, and it's been kind of bad, 62 minutes for 119. It's actually yeah. minus. It's the only... Wow, way... Da- oh, my God, still going, still going. So, of the lineups with the 12 minutes, that's the only negative. And we're talking... I'm not going to write it out, but it's got to be like 20 lineup combos. We only have one negative. Jeez. Yeah, just yeah, I mean, there's a reason they're <laughs> reeling off a ridiculous amount of wins. Yeah. Do you want to ship but, those, uh, small forward? Yeah, sure. So, um, and again, I mean, each one of these charts shows all 30 teams and how small forwards have done against them in each category. So there's a lot more here than we could ever yeah. discuss on a pod. Um, but yeah, again, we mentioned Boston brutal against small forwards. Uh, Memphis is the worst, uh, on an overall basis, but they do give up a lot of blocks. So if you have a small forward who happens to block shots, um, and then right up top, you see the Clippers, they're just getting mauled by opposing small forwards. Uh, and even, you know, when Gallo comes back, he's, he's known for his poor defense. So I don't think that's going to change this season unless they, they shake up the personnel. Yeah, they're. And do you think that maybe like second unit players can help because they're going to get blown out so much? And usually garbage time defense, slower pace, but tends to be worse, I guess, depending who's out there. And I kind of made that stat up. I don't really know, but um, the, do you think this blowout factor like come into this at all? I think I don't know. Kind of just that the that the second unit could could help out. Yeah. Well, maybe, but I mean, they're person. You know, you got Sam Decker, Wes Johnson. It. I don't know. I don't see see too too much uh improvement coming yeah Jawan evans is gonna get minutes uh anything else that you saw from small forwards that like kind of jumped out looks like like portland is one of those teams that is high for overall scoring but they're in the bottom third ish for points allowed right yep yeah, they're they're tied with Oklahoma City for allowing the lowest field goal percentage to small forwards. So that's that's huge. And then, you know, their their overall average is being carried up by the fact that they give up a lot of blocks. But that's that's not altogether relevant. You know, that's especially in DFS, that's yeah. not gonna help you very much. Um so for sure it's it's necessary to look at those specific categories and see where they're you know, where they're a strong matchup and where you can exploit them. Yeah, so basically, if, if you're looking at this from a DFS perspective, you just I would just focus on scoring for any non-point guard, and then rebounds, too, for your centers and power forwards. DFS in particular, yes, yeah. because as we've, you know, I think we talked last week about how points as a category account for 
half of all, uh, at least on FanDuel and, and Yahoo, um, half of all DFS scoring. Yeah, so pretty much just want to find where the usage is and then find where they can get the most out of the usage in the right matchup. Yeah. That's kind of like DFS in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, power forwards, any, anything else interesting you find in there? Power forwards, one, the one point I'll make here that really surprised me was uh, we've seen front courts destroy the Mavericks, but the, for power forwards, they're actually allowing the fewest points by quite a bit uh, and the lowest field goal percentage, which, and again, this is starters and bench unit, um, but that one, that one really took me by surprise. I wonder if that's trended that, because ever since they put measure in, I feel like guys have cooled a little bit. Like we saw Cat didn't go off the other day. Well, I could see on a, on a season-long basis, yeah. they're they're giving up 17.2 points. Uh, in the last 10 games, they are giving up 20. Yeah, oh, so okay. it's jumped. It's it's jumped a pretty 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 good bit actually. That's yeah. surprising. Huh. Anybody else? Uh, looks like Cleveland's getting destroyed, as are the Pacers. Uh, we're seeing Demontis Sabonis. Demontis, yeah, Demontis Sabonis playing more more four. Uh, something I want to watch there. Yeah, yeah, no real surprise there. I mean, I've been targeting the Cavs heavily, um, both in DFS and with scrubs, and because I'm in a, a, a lot of deeper kind of fantasy formats, um, and the Cavs have just been terrific to target. Yeah, and I see a bright green for the the Magic with their uh, power forward assist. That's got to be just because they played power forwards that assist a lot or something. Yeah, we're we're early enough in the season that that. You know, a couple fluky assist games could carry a, a category like assists, where you're yeah. not going to see a lot from power forwards anyway. So, yeah. you know, if they happen to play Draymond and he got 11 assists one game, that could really yeah. uh, boost that average. And then for centers, uh, the usual suspects are up there. Uh, we love going after Brooklyn, really, anywhere. Uh, yeah. They're, they're right up there, really high for scoring. Yeah, and and you, uh, you know, so for center, your attention probably shifts a little more to to rebounds and blocks, of course, and the the Pacers are getting crushed. Um, the Kings are giving up the most rebounds to opposing centers, so that's something to, to keep in mind. Um, and the Bucks too. The Bucks have been a a pretty delectable target for centers. Yeah, Henson has Henson's been okay fantasy wise. Foul trouble's gotten him, but they're they're getting murdered inside sometimes man yeah and he just doesn't really have the size to go up against some of these guys on the glass so yeah. all right any other take-home points you want to say before we get out of here no just encourage people to check out the column because there's there's a lot more there um and i i might revisit this later in the season and, and look at you know previous month stats previous two weeks uh, yeah. something like that once we get a bigger we got about 20 percent of the season sample right now. yep pretty cool all right, see you guys. Take care. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone, and thanks for coming on, Ryan. You got it, Mike. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? 
also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.